to get to minister your word, Father. So I ask, Father, that the, every ounce of boldness that you can give me, that it would come forth, Father. That every ounce of Holy Ghost fire that could come forth would come forth. Father, we're not, I, my hope is not that all these other things happen. I hope, my hope, Father, is that, that the fire of your word comes through and that hearts are changed and lives are touched Father, I put up with a whole lot of stuff to see lives changed and touched, Father. So I ask for those seeds that I've sown that you touch and bless it. That, Father, the word comes through easily with joy and peace. And that everything we practiced yesterday, Lord, we had a great time, Father. So I ask that that same spirit is with me today as I speak. I've seen myself in front of people talking for years of my life. So this is the time, and I ask for your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. You have to excuse me because just me and him was talking there for a minute. <sighs> okay. I, now, I always say this, my minister. I'm still learning how to preach, so you'll have to forgive me. And, Austin, I may work you out today, bud, because when I got going yesterday, I was all over the place. But, man, I got saved when I was done, so I was happy about it. <sighs> and, yes, your son is a blessing, especially to me personally. The thing I love most about your son is I say, David, go do this. And David goes and does this. He doesn't do it with an attitude. He doesn't do it with an opinion. He just goes and does. And, hey, I tell you what, when you're a leader, that's priceless. So, yes, your son's a blessing. All right. Let me relax. I tell you what, pacing while you're nervous to preach is, will wear you out. <laughs> okay. The last time I spoke... And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to wander because I just, I do better if I don't try and stand still. But I'll try not to wear you out, Austin. Um, and now we can start for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for coming to Church of the Harvest. We're, we're glad you're here today. Um, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I get the opportunity to speak to you. But last time I spoke, you know, it's, it's a journey for me. Each time I speak, okay, God, what's next? And the last time I spoke, it was about the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Okay. So then I was like, okay, God, well, what's next? And at that point in my life, I had went through a lot of great changes. Um, for those who don't know my story, um, our story, I went through a really rough spot. And... In spite of my best efforts, found myself divorced. And I had to go through that. And that was my bump in the road. And as the Lord said, I, I still have a plan for you. Things aren't as bad as you think they are. And as he brought my wife to me, my beautiful wife, with that snappy hat. And, I mean, more, the, the work of restoration that God has done was beyond anything I could have imagined. I never would have dreamed the great and mighty things that he was bringing in my life after a time of deep sorrow and struggle and just doing the best I can and things still turn out bad. Um, so when I ministered and spoke about the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, I like, okay, God, well, what's next? And at that point in my life, and still, I'm in a season of restoration. And I was like, okay, God, well... And, and that I started thinking about that, and I was like, well, okay, let's look at that. What does restoration look like? Now, we have a lot of ideas what we think it looks like, and we have some wrong misconceptions that are close, 
but maybe just a little bit incomplete. You know, sometimes we get a little bit of the picture, but not all of it. All of us go through different things. You can go through divorce. You can go through miscarriage. Some people go through miscarriage. Um, some people go through a death in their family. Hello? You know, there's going to be bumps in this road until we go to heaven. There's going to be issues that we have to deal with and get through and make our way through. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust both. You know, being a Christian does not keep us from bad stuff happening. However, we do have a Savior who can turn our joy or our sorrow into gladness. My wife and I, um, and I just draw from what I talk about, you know. My wife fits me in a way that I've never known could happen you know just she laughs at the same kind of things I laugh at she does goofy things the same kind of way I do she looks at morals and and values the same way I do but at the same time in some ways she's completely different and those are some of the things I love the most about her you know she's like me but she's not it's awesome But it made me, and as the Lord starts rebuilding, was rebuilding things, and how, have you ever been broken? I, I know I'm not the only person in the room who's been so broken you just don't care. Um, well, I'll get up and get out of bed and go. I don't want to. I don't care. I know back during some of my darkest days, I told Pastor Rhonda, I said, I don't care if I ever minister again. Could care less right now. I am so broken, it does not matter. I just have to focus to go to work today. But God is faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, God is faithful. When we stick to the process and don't bow up and try and do it our way, when we stick to the process, he always will restore us if something has been taken or lost. Sometimes we lose it and sometimes it's stolen. It doesn't matter to him. He will restore the same. <laughs> well, I was going to try. Yeah, that's what I get for being a smart aleck today. I said, take that, T.D. Jakes. I got my sermon on a, on a tablet, too. Woohoo! And now I can't use it. <laughs> All right. We've seen great restoration in our life. And the Lord just does crazy things, sometimes good. Um, kind of out of the blue and there's a lot of different things going on but out of the blue both of our children in one or the way or the other said hey her, her daughter said I want to come be here for Mother's Day and, you know and y'all saw her and, and then my oldest son was able to be or my only son actually was able to be here for Father's Day this year matter of fact my parents came and we had a father son and dad thing um, can I tell the John Force story? Do you care? Okay, if you know anything about racing, there's this guy named John Force. He drag racer and all this kind of stuff. Well, my dad's name is John. My first name is John, but I go by my middle name. And my son's name is Jonathan. So when my dad brings up John Force, my wife's like, yeah, that's awesome, the John Force. Meaning the three of us, and my dad was talking about the racer. <laughs> I said, no, honey, no. He, that, the racer's name is John Force. It's, but, you know, that's just the kind of cheerleader that I have for a wife. You know, she's all about it. Woohoo! Excuse me for just a moment here. 
so the Lord continues to restore things in our life. But as I went through and I started, started studying the word and the Lord started leading me through things, he brought me, first place we're going to go is, I didn't put the reference, great. Luke 10, I believe it is. It's the Good Samaritan. And I was like, okay, God, this is, this is kind of like, uh, Lord, everybody preaches on the Good Samaritan. I, I don't know, but I kept looking anyway. And he began to show me things. Even yesterday, I take the ministry of the word seriously. So I was here practicing yesterday because it's easier to go through it once by yourself so that you feel better about it when you go through it in front of other people. T.D. Jake said, I used to stand in front of the, the mirror and preach all day long. I'd go out in the woods and preach. I was like, well, if it works for him, hello, you know. So as the Lord was showing me about restoration, he started showing me some of the things that it's not. You'll have to pardon me. Um, all right, I think we're going to have Luke 10, and we start at 29. Was it 29? Okay. All right, let me, uh, you know what, so Austin, I'm so sorry. It, that's good. We'll leave it right there. Let me back up a little bit here. Jesus has a, one of the teachers of the law or a young man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to be born again? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. And he says, or no, he asked Jesus and Jesus said, well, what does the law say? What does the Bible say? And he repeats that to him and Jesus said, you're right. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I tell you what, if I was Jesus, I know I would have thrown some lightning bolts before it was over with. People constantly trying to call me out and do this and all this kind of stuff. People was constantly trying to get under his skin to make him look bad. I, I do believe there would have been some lightning involved, but I don't, just saying. But Jesus being smart and loving people the way he did, didn't. Until somebody disrespected his house. Well, then he got serious about that. But, but this is what Jesus said. He's like, well, let me answer your question with a, a little story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. I thought about this. There's more, been more times than one that I felt half dead over a situation or just lacked the will. You know, there's, and I'm being real honest here, but I, I'm hoping that in honesty we'll see that there is hope. You know, there's been days in the past I didn't want to kill myself, but I just really didn't want to live. You know, well, I'm alive, I guess. You know, I'm existing. That's it. You know. We find ourselves in those places. This guy was in even worse shape. He was half dead. And as I was thinking about this yesterday, he was unable to help himself at all. He was at the mercy, thank you, Holy Spirit, of those around him. Some did good, some didn't. Jesus goes on and says, A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man... He passed on the other side. Ooh. Mm. 
Uh, <laughs> vacuums for you. Woo, that's terrible. Mm, that looks like that hurt. That's going to leave a mark. So sorry, you know. Religion sometimes does that. And Father, help me to have, I want to stop myself and just make sure, help my words to be peppered with grace. Religion has no life in it. One of the things about the priests that you could see is the priests were always in their garb. They wore it on their sleeve. It was all about out here. Jesus called the scribes and Pharisees, you whitewashed sepulchers. Whitewash meaning you painted up good on the outside, but inside you're a den of vipers. Sometimes it's easy to go with the, well, as long as everything looks okay out here, I'm okay. I'm going to do the best. And, you know, and we want to present ourselves well for Christ. I love dressing up with my wife and matching her. I love doing it. We do it just when we go see people because I enjoy my wife. I love my wife. And if I, you know, when she looks good, I look better. Hello? Man, that was worth some points there. <laughs> I enjoy looking good, but it's not about looking good. It's not about what we look out on, look like on the outside too often. Now, if you have the work of Jesus in your life, hopefully at least this thing changes. For those of you by podcast, I'm making a face toward my face, making a gesture towards my face. You know, we joke about if you're saved and you know it, tell your face. You know, when Christ is working in our lives, we should see it on the outside, you know. And it doesn't, it's not a stretch to say, well, okay, maybe I'll comb my hair today, you know. Maybe I'll put on a little perfume or cologne or, or whatever the deal is. It's not about outward look. However, when you got that love in your life and in your heart, you want to be the best you can for that person. I don't want to show up looking like a, a jerk when my wife is with me, you know. Even if she would let me, I don't want to. <laughs> it's the same thing for Jesus. When he's working in our lives, we want to put our best foot, foot forward for him. Now, your best foot may look different than my best foot, and that's okay. It's putting our best foot forward for him. The priest didn't want to be... The priests didn't want to be touched with the affliction of those around them, unfortunately. They just wanted to do their little spiritual thing, go to temple, say their prayer, and go home. Go to temple, say their prayer, and go home. We'll let, we'll let, you know. Outward appearance and looking like it's all good out here is not always restoration. It's not always having it together. Then the next guy in the story is the Levite. And this is where the Lord really got me yesterday. A lot of people don't exactly understand what the Levite was. And from what I've studied, the Levite is not just, you know, we think, well, he's kind of like a priest. Yes and no. The Levites were like cops. They enforced the law of Moses. Now, we don't understand that always in, in, what we understand, in what we know. By the law of Moses, Jesus could have been crucified, you know, by their standard. But they had to ask the Romans to do it because the Romans had the greater authority. So the Levites were like the, the PC police, the politically correct, the religiously correct kind of folks. 
if you messed up, like if you did something against the law of Moses, they went and snatched you up, and you could go to jail or, or whatever. You know, they were the cops of their day. And as I'm ministering this, or as I'm thinking about this yesterday, I knew this, but it hit me all over again. The law does not save us. Being able to do it right every time, following the rules and regulations that, that we see in the Bible, is not what restoration necessarily looks like. Now, when we love Jesus, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Okay, so yes, when he is doing a work in our life, we will try to follow the rules, but it's not how well we follow the rules as to whether or not he's actually doing something in our life. You know, it's not a matter of, well, you know what, you were doing okay, but you quit praying two minutes early, and so you got to start over. No. The law doesn't save us. The law couldn't save, the law didn't save this man. The Levite was like, Hmm, okay, well, now if there had been some money involved, there might have been. If he thought he could get a bribe, he might have, who knows. But the law didn't do anything about this man. The law can't save us. Following the rules and regulations doesn't, is not the only thing in restoration. When God restores us, we are able to act with more righteousness. We are able to follow the rules, so to speak. We are able to obey more, but our obedience is not necessarily a litmus test on whether or not God is doing something in our life. Paul himself said, that which I don't want to do, I do. That what I want to do, I don't do. Oh, what a wicked man I am. And Paul, I mean, you don't get a lot more like Jesus than Paul. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus came out of heaven just to get Paul. On the road to Damascus, oh, wait a minute, I got one more. Bam! Paul, what do you think you're doing? I'm Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah, that guy that you think is so terrible. No, 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 no. Forget all that stuff. Go this way, and I'll show you what you got to do. That guy. And that's one of the things, when I study my theology and all that, Paul's foundation of his gospel and, and his teachings is on his personal experience with Christ, not what the disciples told him. When he went somewhere, he talked about what he knew about Jesus. I can tell you all day long what my mama knows about Jesus, but it's what Jesus has done in my heart and what change he has made in me that will convince you or somebody in the world that he's worth serving and being saved by. It's that relationship with him that maybe doesn't look so hot on the outside to everybody's views. Maybe doesn't look quite so cross your T's and dot your I's to everybody else. One of the things that I thought about, you know, when I was my early, well, when I was 19 or so, um, you're 19, you don't know nothing. I'm beginning to think when you're in your 20s, you don't know anything. But the older I get, the older you got to be to be smart. I just, I don't know what that's all about. But um, when I was young, I'd gotten out of high school, and I had just recently quit drinking, and I was raised in church. I had a drinking problem. I had a problem with over-the-counter pills, which now you'd never know that. But Jesus does good work. But I was like, well, God, what am I going to do with my life? I mean, what do you want me to do? So I looked into law enforcement, and I was like, well, yeah, I can help people. You know, I can 
I can protect and serve and blah, blah, blah. I had no idea that I was a servant at heart at the time. But as me and Jesus worked through that and I realized, well, putting in jail, putting people in jail really doesn't help them exactly. They need Jesus. Now, you can get Jesus in jail, but I'm talking about just as a profession, we need law and order. We need people to go to jail sometimes if they're acting the fool and are a danger to themselves and us. I'm all, all down with that. But putting people in jail in and of itself doesn't do anything. It just stops you from hurting people or yourself. Like, well, okay, God, nah, that ain't it. You know, and I thought about being in the military because I wanted to go take care of bad guys and be Tom Cruise. Who remembers Top Gun? You know. And Iron Eagle, I loved Iron Eagle. This is Chappie St. Clair with the U.S. Army. You know, at the very last second, he saved his dad, and he's running out of gas, and he's out of bullets, and the, the opposing nation, we'll keep that correct there, is right on his tail, and here comes the Calvary. Yeah, God, I'm about being the Calvary. Let's go save somebody. Woohoo! No. <laughs> no, we're not up for that either. That was when I realized, oh, well, I'm called to be a minister. How much more can you help somebody than tell them about Jesus? Hello? I mean, and I'm, like I said, I'm all for jail if necessary. Believe it or not, and you know, it's funny. The older I get, the more confident I get in these kind of things. And I told there was a situation with someone we know, and the police were called. And I flat out told the officer, I said, you need to take him to jail. If you don't, he's liable to die. And this person had a, an addiction problem that was bad, and unfortunately still is. I said, and he just kind of laughed. I said, no, I'm being dead serious. This dude needs to go to jail because he may be dead before the night's over with if you don't do something. And he did end up going to jail. Now, he's still alive, so praise the Lord, hallelujah. But the law is not what, you know, following the rules is not necessarily what restoration looks like either. This may be a really quick sermon. Okay, so the third guy in this story, the Samaritan. Now, if you don't know a whole lot about the Samaritan, the Jews considered them to be half-breeds, basically. You know, they, they claimed a different place to serve God, and they were, if memory serves, they were the descendants of Esau or, or something of that nature. The Jews viewed them as lower than them. You know, when Jesus went and ministered to the Samaritan woman, he did it kind of by himself because the rest of them were kind of like, Mm, Jesus, you know, that whole religious, ooh, we don't want to get touched by that. She's a Samaritan, you know. And in this story, Jesus very wisely uses the Samaritan, if nothing else, to offend this young man's point of view because he thinks, I got it all together, Jesus. I love the Lord with all my heart and spirit, and I love my neighbor as myself. And he at least is portraying in this story, I got it together, Jesus. I'm on it. I'm your man. I'm down me and Jesus are homies. <laughs> I'm hearing your sermons in my head, Pastor Rhonda. <laughs> woo, woo! We're down with Jesus. But Jesus wants to make a, a better point about 
who our neighbor is. He wants to change this guy's thinking because this guy thinks it's all out here. It's do's and don'ts. It's how I look. Because this guy obviously knew the Bible, probably studied it, because Jesus said, well, okay, well, if you want to get into heaven, what does the Bible say? And the dude just rattled off the answer just like that. But Jesus wanted to, to make a point here. And the thing about the Samaritans, and even the woman at the well who talked to Jesus said, what are you doing coming to me for water? The Samaritans knew that the Jews viewed them as less than. The sooner we realize that if we're going to talk and help people for Jesus, somebody's going to view us as less than. You know, the Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is foolishness. Well, that's a dumb idea. Being last that you can be first. I'm going to get mine. What are you thinking? What kind of stupid idea is that? We serve, I've heard it before, we serve a backward kingdom. Where if you want to be great, you make yourself little. So when we try and help people, there's going to be somebody who says, well, that's a lost cause. Why are you even bothering? And I'm all about boundaries. We do need boundaries. We don't need to put our pearls before swine. But there's a whole lot of people that maybe the religious world calls swine that really is just somebody who's in need. You know, there's a lot of people that just need a hand up. Now, there's folks who want a hand out, but a lot of people just need a hand up to the next rung. You know, if you can just get me up to that next step, I'll keep going, and then somebody will help me up to the next step, and people have helped you and I up to the next step. So the Good Samaritan accepted that he wasn't all that in a bag of chips, and he was okay with it. He didn't let that stop him from helping the people that he could. One of the hardest lessons I had to learn as a young Christian was I'm not called to save everybody. I'm called to minister and speak to a few. And if they do or don't receive, that's on them. That's one of the most freeing things as I get older and as I'm learning these things about the chaplain. It's called the ministry of presence. And I've told my wife this more than once. Pastor Hank, I mean, I, taught, he learned, I learned a great lesson from him one time that I repeat to my wife often. Um, and the long and short of it, I may not get the exact uh, details right, but they were, Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda were headed to a, uh, a viewing or something of that nature. And it was just one of those where you're kind of like, wow, why? And Pastor Hank basically summed it up. We're not going to come up with those answers. We're going to show up and eat crackers. But what he's saying was, we're just going to show up and be there with them in their time of need. We can share the love of Jesus, and if they get saved, great. If you have the opportunity to seal the deal, awesome. But if not, you can still love people and let Jesus figure it out when they're going to get saved, when they're, going to, when they're finally going to grow out of this addiction, when they're finally going to get their mess together. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't look at us like that. Are you still dealing with that? I will go find somebody else. We've never said that to anybody before. No. I, I, you know, <laughs> I can make more of you. I made you. I can make another. <laughs> uh, we are friends of the king, not hirelings. He doesn't just kick us to the side when we don't perform well enough. You know, if we never, ever did anything for him, 
but love him and try to obey his word, he would receive us the same when we get to heaven. It's not about accomplishments in this life, although he wants us to bear fruit, which I'm going to get to shortly. I better hurry up. The Samaritan accepted that he wasn't all that in a bag of chips and still was willing to help his neighbor. Now, well, I talked about restoration and, and outward and obedience and all that kind of stuff. That's not to say that restoration doesn't have goodies, so to speak, that come with it. When Satan steals something, he has to give back sevenfold, I think it is. When we go through a bump in the road and we go through a hard time in life and Satan was the source, and you know what, sometimes even when we are the source of the situation, God will repay when we follow him through to the end of the matter. And here's the thing that I thought was awesome about this. The Samaritan had means. We can't bless people if we're not blessed ourselves. That's why tithing is so important. And that's one of the things I've tithed for years. So that's not, you know, but I'm trying to learn to give in spite of what my bottom line says. And not just the faithful, but there's plenty of servers out there at the, at the restaurant that needs some hope. There's plenty of utility workers out there that need hope. There's plenty of people out in the world that just need hope and need help, and they need the love of Jesus. The Samaritan had means. So when God restores us, he will send means. There is a reward for walking the path that he puts before us. Now, does that mean that we're going to be featured in better homes and gardens because our house is just so beautiful and our children are so perfect and they always listen and we just have that dentine smile? Not necessarily, but will we be blessed enough that we can bless somebody else when they have a need? Absolutely. Can you sow somebody else's need when you can't, you know, I can't meet my need there, but I can meet their need here. So I can sow a need to get my need met. That's prosperity. Man, it's awful quiet. Okay, now this is the one cool thing here that I saw. It also says that he bound his wounds. And it, the cool thing in here, and I just this jumped out at me. Where is it? Let me see where I'm at here. Pouring on oil and wine. Now, what does oil and wine signify in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. You don't have to have a gross amount of money to help people. Maybe you can just have an encouraging word from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can just have a smile. Maybe you can just, and <laughs> this is the one that kept running through my head. Maybe you can just not tell that person what a joker you think they are when they act like one. Not pull them over when they pull out in front of you, drag them out and whip the fire out of them. Not wave with one finger instead of all of them. You know, there's a lot of opportunities that we can be Holy Spirit I've never done that. You know, it's so funny. I hadn't lived here very long. And it had been quite a while that I lived here before I saw anybody do that here. I was like, wow, this must really be a holy city. I was here 12 months before somebody, I saw somebody do that. Y'all are just so much nicer down here in a lot of ways. Up north, yeah, there's a lot of one-finger waves. But anyway, we can put the power of the Holy Spirit on somebody's hurt and on their need and bind up their wounds and stop the bleeding. 
If you're hungry, you want fed first. Then you want told about Jesus, maybe or maybe not. But if you're fed first, well, then you're more likely to hear about Jesus. Yeah, I just, yeah, give me some more of them biscuits and gravy. Jesus did what at the well? Cool. I'll have another help. And how about some sausage, too? Okay. And this is where the Lord led me next. Uh, John 15, 13. And here's where, so we went over a couple things that restoration isn't and started on what it is. The epitome, whenever you're ready there, seeing Mr. Uh, Soundman Extraordinaire. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus physically died for our sins. But what about when you have to suck it up and bite your tongue and kill your flesh because your flesh wants to fill in the blank when somebody does something wrong? Um, <laughs> I can't believe she smoked my last cigarette. <laughs> you mean they, she really put the milk back in there with that much in it? Lord of mercy, how hard is it? And I'm just throwing things out there that I can think of. How hard is it to just pick it up? If you miss the trash, pick it up and put it in there. Not that I've ever heard that. <laughs> when we die to ourselves, when we sacrifice our will, our wants, and our desires for our brother, a little bit of us dies in a good way. John said, I must decrease that Christ may increase. He doesn't want to change, oftentimes he doesn't want to change our basic personality type and temperament, but he does want to change the way we've been encoded and trained and taught to react to things. You know, I'm going to think things through no matter what. I'm just, I'm a thinker first. But I can change, am I going to think negatively about it first or am I going to think positively about it first? It's when we give ourselves to somebody else and we die to what we want that we're showing that kind of love and here's the here's the thing that kind of jumped out we're commanded to love people but what's the hidden bonus in loving people that we miss and that's 15 uh uh no wait a minute i'm giving you let me make sure i've give you the wrong austin i might have give you the wrong one here let's look it's john 15 something Ah, uh, yes. John 15, 11. And this is what real restoration somewhere down the line is going to look like. It may be houses. It may be cars. It may be fine clothes. It may be wealth. It may be all these kind of things. But if Christ is truly at the center of it, eventually love and joy is going to be the outcome. Jesus said, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How many of y'all, I am looking for a raise of hands. It makes you feel better to give somebody something than to receive something. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. Okay. 
that your joy may be complete. It's really hard to have joy when we're being selfish and we're thinking about ourselves and our wants and our needs and all this. But when we're dying to who we are and are willing to give to somebody else, that's when our joy is the most complete. Jesus at this time, here in the verse, somewhere in the process there, he gets down and he, he washes their feet and he does an act of service. He could have had every right to say, all right, disciples, line up. I'm going to stand right here, and each one of you are going to come by and wash my feet because, because I am the Messiah, I am the Savior. And he had every right to do that. But wanting to be an example, he washed their feet. It's better to give than receive. It's important that we are giving, we're giving that love when that person doesn't deserve it for our sake, that our joy might be complete. What's that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it's funny because Keith played the song about joy at, at, the, at the middle. If you're happy and you have joy that is Christ-centered, Satan can't stop you. Period. You know, I, you know, I'm <laughs> I was marching yesterday and I was saying, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know, and if you keep going like this back and forth, he may throw something at your feet. But if you just kick it out of the way and you don't let it take a place and you just keep going, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know, and I've said this a couple weeks ago. The joy of the Lord is important because the joy of the Lord is our strength I for one don't like being feeling like a weak Christian I want to be a strong Christian that the devil runs from when he sees me coming ah man I can't throw nothing in front of that dude everything that I throw in front of that dude he either steps over steps around or just you know kicks it out of the way (laughs) I remember Tim Sally doing a sermon where he kicked something I did that yesterday I was practicing you know if Satan can't stop us well, then Satan can't stop us. And if we're full of the joy of the Lord because we're giving of ourselves, we're redefining who our neighbor is, what's the worst that happens? You're full of joy. Hey, I don't like being depressed, do you? I think joy is pretty well worth it. And that's where Jesus ended at, and that's where I'm going to close at in the story back in Luke. Jesus says, Who is the one? The man said, well, who was his neighbor? And Jesus, the expert in the law says, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So that's your assignment for this next week. Try and love somebody who's not lovable. Because I know some days I'm not lovable, and I imagine there's probably some days you're not lovable either. (laughs) The look of restoration should be love and joy. Great things, God will restore what's stolen. He'll give us great things, but the joy of the Lord is what makes them all worth having and makes them a benefit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, Father, that in this in this scripture, you said, when we go about your business, you no longer call us servants but you call us friends and that Lord there is great joy in serving you and in serving others so Father I ask if there's if we're here today and we're a little bit lacking in joy Father 
or we're a little bit lacking in love, Father, that you would fill us up, that your calm and gentle Holy Spirit, be it on the way home or on the way out the door or later this afternoon when we just sit and think about this, that, Father, that you'd fill us up with that joy again. That if we're lacking in joy, that something has happened, the bump in the road, a hard time, frustration, whatever it is, Lord, that you administer to each heart and that you'd let that joy come back again. Whatever area we need it in, Father, that that joy would come back. The joy of our salvation would return. The joy of loving our neighbor, relationship with you, Father, that it would return. That your children would be blessed and that we could be the light set upon a hill that you need us so desperately to be. But if no other reason, you do it just because you like your kids being happy and you want your kids happy. Father, we thank you for this day. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.